Good morning, everyone. Um, firstly, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, really thankful for uh, the opportunity to stand before you. Um, also thank the uh, eldership here at the KK congregation. Um, your work here has been an example to us uh, and an encouragement to us here in Jurong, uh, back in Jurong, and uh, certainly we, my family included, uh, are beneficiaries of uh, the good work that you have done here. Um, it is also a privilege to stand before you because um, it's a blessing to be with brethren of like faith and of like mind wherever we are in the world, and uh, to, to to be. Uh, speaking in Malaysia, it's, a, it's an honor and privilege for me. Um, he's not here today, actually. <laughs> Brother Chang Kun has been so kind to put, put, up, uh, put me up in his place uh, uh, last night, and uh, it was quite an adventure to get in. Uh, what's going to happen? Uh, that was the question that I had in my mind uh, as I was making my way from KLIA to uh, Uncle Chang Kun's house. Uh, for, for those of you who didn't know, it was... Uh, it was quite an adventure in the Grab taxi to the point where Grab actually emailed me, are you okay? Um, so long story short, uh, the, the taxi driver had to make a stop uh, to do his evening prayers and we were stuck in uh, Petronas for about 15 to 20 minutes. And so during that time, you know, uh, Grab asked, hey, we noticed you've not been moving. Uh, <laughs> is everything okay? So they were about to call the police. I said, no, everything's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, but so, but for, for a good 15, 20 minutes, you know, that was the question in my mind, what's going to happen next? Um, and, you know, and I'm, I guess some of us might have had this same question in, my, in our minds over the last three years. What's going to happen next? Um, and many people would prefer to be in the know. Uh, I'm one of those people. I, I don't like not knowing what's, what, what are the likely outcomes of what we are, what, what, you know, of uh, things happening. Um, many companies spend a lot of money and a lot of time trying to study, you know, do research, go into, um, uh, go and invite interviews and, and do focus groups. They want to know uh, what is going to happen. For example, if you're going to launch a new product, uh, you want to know whether it will sell. And so, you know, you spend money, you conduct focus interviews and so on. Sorry, the salesman of me is coming out right now. <laughs> I'm not here to sell you chocolate. I'm, I'm here to, to, to um, share with you a message from the past on what's going to happen. And I hope uh, today's uh, uh, message will be edifying and encouraging to you. Um, if we look back, not to manage two sides. Okay, if we look back at what we did not know before, if we go about 200 years ago, 20 decades. Okay, what did we not know 200 years ago? We did not know that the electric bulb will be invented, that photography, the first photograph, will be taken. We didn't know that the microphone will be developed. Um, the typographer, or you know, what eventually becomes keyboards and, and typography, the calculator, and also fiber optics. Uh, all these things that we take for granted that allows us to have the live streaming and so on, uh, to have you know all these visual aids on, on the screen. All of this was invented about 200 years ago, the precursors to that, and that enables us uh, you know, um, to, to have works uh, in this modern era. Uh, for example, Singing Sunday, which, uh, sorry, shameless plug for Jerome's efforts, but 
<laughs> uh, that's Paul Go out there, and he's out there every week um, trying to encourage us to sing uh, hymns and to, to go through hymns. It facilitates many of the efforts that we do, that we have been able to do in uh, the pandemic times, uh, you know, reaching out uh, online, virtually, and so on. Those were all uh, what we did not know 200 years ago. What we did not know 20 years ago was that travel and life as we knew it back then would have drastically changed. Because this 9-11 and um, all the security that I had to go through in order to be here, right, is partially a result of um, the events 20 years ago. Since then, the world has been involved in major conflicts. There were other uh, incidences in various parts of the world. Bali, uh, I think uh, some of you may have read that the Bali bombers were released recently. Um, also attacks in the UK, in, in, in Paris and so on. There are many incidences that are going on even till today. That's 20 years ago, this was front and center in our lives. We didn't know that would happen. 20 months ago, uh, this is a scene from a very popular food, food street, uh, Kevin Smiling, because he knows where this is from. Uh, this is La Passat in, in Singapore. I'm sure this scene is also replicated here. Right, empty stores, empty buildings. You know, what was bustling and uh, very energetic food places are empty. You can't even, um, you know, uh, get, get what you wanted to eat. The stores were closed. Since then, the world has gone through lockdown, opening up, opening up, lockdown again, and, and so on and so forth. Um, well, thankfully, it's open enough for me to be here with you. And uh, about 20 or so weeks ago, I'm hoping this will play. So about 20 or so weeks ago, um, we see this scene being played out across the Ukraine. And this is a father. It gets me every time. Uh, this is a father saying goodbye to his daughter as he's about to leave uh, for the front lines in fighting Russia. Um, so since then, the world has watched on on the conflict still going on, um, you know, and uh, multiple lives have been changed. Companies have shut down their operations. Countries have evacuated millions. And uh, many individuals have volunteered the time and services, you know, of, of the people. So, okay. I'll just move on. Okay, I have to let it finish. Sorry. <laughs> this did not work uh, in my previous presentation, so I'm glad it works today. Okay, you don't have to subscribe. So. How do I move on? Escape? Okay, great. Okay, <laughs> I will move on the old fashioned way. There we go. Okay, so you still bear the marks from 20 days ago. Um, I know Alvin and Annabelle do. <laughs> uh, 20 days ago, you did not know who was going to be elected as your next official. You might have gone into the polls wondering who's, who's it going to be. Um, from across the border, we were also wondering 
um, and you know observing these events as, as they took place. Perhaps by now you must be wondering what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes, what is Lucas going to talk about? Um, and uh, certainly what I want to share with you is that, first of all, you know, I think it's very fortuitous that um, Kevin shared earlier about the Bible being our compass. Because indeed, we do not know what's happening, what's going to happen next. We, as humans, we as people, we are subject to time and chance and life as it happens around us. We are subject to the decisions of others. We are subject to the decisions of the authorities over us. Um, I would like to bring you to a scene from 20 centuries ago. 2,000 years ago, a similar situation was faced by the apostles, by the disciples of Jesus. And um, I'd like to bring you to this scene in which, as they were leaving the temple, after disputing with the Pharisees, the priests, the Sadducees, and the disciples are saying to our lords, and, and they said, Teacher, what, see what manner of stones and buildings are there. Mark chapter 13, verse 1 and verse 2. What manner of stones and what buildings are here? Now, if you, if you can recall, the temple is built by is the Zerubbabel's temple, and it was also extended by King Herod. And they were marveling at the grandeur, right? the, the splendor of that temple. It's a magnificent building. If you go traveling around the world, sometimes you go into a, a place of, that was built you know, uh, magnificently. Uh, personally, maybe the Taj Mahal comes to mind. Very beautiful, um, very ornate, um, something that spent a lot of time building, and you can see the attention to detail and so on. This is, what the, this is what the disciples, as they walked out of that building, as they walked out of the temple, this is what they're referring to. And what does our Lord say to them? And Jesus answered and said, to him, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And this triggers a few questions from the disciples. Wow, Lord, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the world? For our Lord to pronounce such a calamity to befall the temple was a very shocking thing for for many for, for the disciples. It's it's wow, it's like the end of the world must, must must it must take the end of the world for this to happen. And so they they were asking in effect they were asking in effect what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They wanted to know. I'm sure you want to know too if you were them. And so, what is our Lord referring to? Of course, he's referring to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, where not one stone of these buildings will be left upon another. And we have the historical record of this taking place. When General Titus surrounds Jerusalem, besieges the city for three years. And during those three years, you see a great calamity before the people who were in the city. And as we think about 
while our Lord continues in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 to 14, and Jesus said, answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and deceive many. Many will come and claim to be the Christ, and draw away disciples after them. You'll hear of wars, and rumors of wars, and famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes. These sorrows that will befall in the region around them. And they will hear of great tribulation. They will face great tribulation of killing, of hatred, of being offended, of being betrayed, of being deceived, even by their loved ones. And yet they will also see the sign of the gospel that will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. These are the signs that of the impending doom of, this, of Jerusalem that's to come. But Jerusalem still standing. And then further on in Luke chapter 21, verse 20 to 21, we read that when they see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then they will know that the desolation is near. And those that were still left in Jerusalem, they were told to flee to the mountains, those who were in Judea. And do not let those who are in the country to enter, those who are outside of the city, who are going to be, who are, who are, who are looking at these things happening. They are, not to, they are not to enter into the city. You know, stay away. Why? Because it's going to be a calamity. Jerusalem will be destroyed. Jerusalem being surrounded by armies. That is a sign of the great calamity that, that our Lord is speaking of. And one stone will not be left upon another. And is that true today? You can go to visit the city of Jerusalem. You're going to see these great boulders at the foot of the hill that were thrown down during the Roman sacking of the city of Jerusalem. You can go there and visit that right now. And you will see that as a witness, as a testament to this prophecy that our Lord is making. And furthermore, he, our Lord provides further guidance in Matthew 24, verse 19 to 25. Woe to those who are with child or who are nursing in those days. So I look at Sister Annabelle and I'm thinking, yeah, thankfully we are not in that situation here. But woe to them. Why? Why? When you're trying to escape uh, an army, is it easy to be pregnant? Is it easy to be nursing a child? No, it's not. It's going to be maybe hindering your escape. And um, at the same time, they were to say that, pray that it does not take place in the winter on the Sabbath. Why? Because then becomes more difficult for, for people to, again, make their escape. And pray that, and, and also that this tribulation, this guidance that this tribulation will be so great, it's not been seen since the beginning of the world. And if you read Josephus' account of what happened, you also understand that, um, you know, there was a lot of Insecurity within Jerusalem, people were you know, practicing things such as cannibalism. Uh, people were, were, were in a desperate, desperate situation. And pray for, and it will be shortened, hopefully, for the elect's sake. And uh, furthermore, you know, and I'll just read straight from here. If anyone says to you, look, here is... Here is Christ or there, do not believe it, but rather um, go out, go out, get out of the city. Finally, that 
He, our Lord, has told them before. So you then, when you see all these things, know that it is near. It is at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you that this generation will by no means pass away till all these take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The disciples asked the questions, what's going to happen? When will these things be? Our Lord answers this clearly and succinctly. When will these things be? When you see all these signs happening, this is when one stone will not be left upon another. This is the time of the destruction that will be to come. But then we have two other questions to answer. What will be the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age? These two questions have not yet been answered. And so the question then is, what's going to happen for you and I? Because as far as we know, our Lord has not come. Why, why as far as we know? Because if he comes, we will not be here. So we are here, he's not come yet. Alright? So what's going to happen? But of that day, and of that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Brethren and friends, is there going to be a sign of the second coming of our Lord? Based on Matthew 24, verse 36, there will be no sign. However, what's going to happen is now up to us. Our Lord does not leave us without guidance, without a compass, as we learned this morning in the Bible class. He does not leave us without an assurance. And He does not leave us without hope. He leaves us and the disciples back then with six parables about the end. Of the, of the age, the end of time. The first is the parable of the house owner, of how one prepares for the arrival of the thief. Then the parable of the two servants who were appointed and charged with the care of the household. The parable of the virgins about those who were over prepared and those who just brought. Just enough. The parable of the talents talks about a long time between the leaving of the Lord of the Master until his return. And the vigilance and the perseverance that's required of his faithful servants. The parable of the house master encouraging us to watch and stay awake. And finally, the parable about the sheep and the goats what is being done day to day. The compass has been set. Let's dive into what it says. In the parable of the house owner, Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 to 44. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 to 44. And it reads, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in which watch the thief would come, he would have watched and he would, would not have suffered his house to be broken up. 
Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Quite logical, right? If you know the thief is coming, will you let him in? If you know a thief, if you know a thief is coming, will you let him in? We see these three words, be watchful, be awake, be vigilant. And I'm thinking about also be prepared. These days we have many ways and means in which we secure our homes. Right? Some of you have even videos that you can see online. Oh, somebody even dropped a box at my house. I, I can even see which neighbor took my box after, they, after the delivery man has dropped it off. Right? We, we have many ways and means in which we can secure our homes. And the reason we do that, why do you secure your home? Because there's something worth protecting in it, isn't it? There's something valuable in being watch, that you're watchful about. And in this case, it's about our souls. It's about our salvation. We need to be watchful over that. We need to be watchful because we do not know when our Lord comes. Not that He's going to take away and break, it, break up into our homes and steal away what we have. But like a thief, he does not announce his coming. He himself does not know, Matthew 24, 36. No man knows except the Father only. And so his encouragement to his disciples, be watchful, be ready, be vigilant. Expect the Lord to come as you would prepare for a thief in the night. Can I ask you, which day of the month or which day of the year do you not lock your door? You leave your door wide open. Or unlock. Okay, don't tell me. The internet is listening. <laughs> but, you know, I, I believe the answer is none of the days. Uh, you're, watch, you're locking up every day. You make sure your room is secure. You make sure the doors are closed. The gates are locked. Every single night. Why? Because you don't want that day. You don't want, the, you want to give that opportunity for the thief to break in. And likewise, not that you don't want to give the Lord the opportunity when He comes, He will come at some point. But when He comes, we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. So, first parable. Second parable of the two servants. Verse 45 to 51 of Matthew 24. We see two servants who are charged and appointed by the Master, ruling over His house to uh, Sorry, we see two examples of servants. From verse 45, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master makes ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, finds so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying in his coming, and began to beat his fellow servants and drink with the drunkards. And the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour which he does not, he is not aware of, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We see the contrast of two servants, both of whom were charged and appointed 
and they were given, and you have, and, and basically this parable tells about this choice that we have. This choice to be watchful and to be vigilant in the things that we are charged with, or to be neglectful and, uh, and slothful in the things that, in these same things. We have a choice to make. Which servant will we be? Diligent or slothful? As we think about the Lord, the Master, who has gone away for a season, how many years has our Lord been away from this earth? 2,000 years. How many more years will there be? Nobody knows. We are still waiting. We, are still, we still have to be watchful even today. Our children need to be watchful in their time and so on. It's a choice that we have. That choice is up to us. It's not the master who say, you go, and, uh, you go and be slothful, you go and be faithful. No. He gives the charge, the appointment to take care of the fellow servants over his household. But we see also of the reward. Assuredly, I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Those that are found to be worthy, those that are found to be awake, they'll be rewarded with the watchfulness over many more things. Moving on to the parable of the virgins, Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. We see a parable here, and I think we are familiar with this parable. We see the preparation and anticipation that the, that the virgins had. What did they do? They all brought lamps, they all brought oil. All of them did. It's not that five brought and five didn't bring. Everybody brought the lamps and the oil. But only five prepared extra. And five did not. And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Verse 5. We see this idea of. Sorry, and let me move on. And at midnight, a cry was heard Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then, though all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. And the wise answered, saying, No lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is coming. We see the preparation and anticipation. The first phrase in Matthew 25 is, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be like to ten virgins. The kingdom of heaven, this refers to the church. This refers to God's elect. It shall be like this. The people of the church will be like this. There will be all are invited to the wedding. 
There's nobody that's left out. Everyone wants, uh, is invited to meet the bridegroom. And we are all called to prepare. And they all prepare and anticipate. We are still anticipating. But when the day comes, when the bridegroom cometh, and at the hour in the midnight, and we see the answer of the wise to the foolish, when the foolish were saying, please lend us some, some of your oil, something for, you know, that I can also go in. And, and what did the wise ones say? They say no. Why did the wise ones say no? Because they knew that entering into that feast is far more important than the chance of giving up. It's far more important to enter into that feast than to appear to be a good guy, you know, to share and so on. They were protecting what was precious to them. What was that precious thing? To enter into that feast and to persevere through that. We also see this idea that just enough is not enough. Sometimes we ask, some, sometimes we hear the question being asked, hey, you know, where's, where's the dividing line between, you know, sin and not sin? You know, it's like, as though you want to get as close as possible without going over, like the price is right. I'm not sure if you watched that, that, that show. But actually, the, that, that's, that's not the attitude we need to be having, sorry to say. Just enough is not enough. Why? Because we see who were the ones entering into the, into the wedding feast. They were those who were not having the attitude of having just enough. They were those who were having the attitude of, I need to be as prepared as I possibly can. I need to be over prepared. Then we enter into that, into that feast. We see finally the desperation. The desperation when that moment comes, when our Lord comes, what a desperate time it will be. Especially for those of us, for, for us who are in the church, if we are found to be outside that door, knocking, Lord, Lord, open to us. Is that a situation we want to find ourselves in? It will be a desperate time. Our Lord says, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to this. Let's be over-prepared and be protective of what is precious to us entering into that peace. You see, the next parable, the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. Now, I will not read from the passage, but I think we are familiar with, with what happened. There were three servants, one given five, one given two, one given one talent. And the master goes away for a very long period of time. He doesn't tell them when he's coming back. And so part of the long time, in that long time period of time of his absence, the one with five gains another five, the one with two gains another two, and the one with one buries his one. And so we, we also hear, we also read from the word, what happens when the Lord returns? He, he rewards the one with five and the one with two, but what does he call the one with one wicked and slothful? 
wicked and lazy. And so as we think about this parable and the long time that we are again waiting for our Lord, we see this concept of staying on versus the concept of growth. What does our Lord expect when he's returned? Does he expect us to be just as we are, the same? Or does he expect us to be growing? What does he expect from our hands? Does he expect us to return what we have been given by him? Or does he expect an increase? I think we need to reflect on, our, on ourselves. And we think we need to reflect on where we stand. Again, compass. Because that compass tell, will show us, first of all, where we were in the past, where we are today, and where we need to be tomorrow. And if you're not on that growth path, even in, the, even in your career, if you're not on a growth path, you'll be worried. What more in our service to God? We see, finally, perseverance. That despite a long time, those, I'm not sure how many of you tried to double your money. It's actually a very hard thing to do. It takes a while to do. Uh, the accountants can work out the compounding that needs to happen for how many years and so on. I, 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 I don't pretend to know. Um, but it takes a long time to double money. And you know it takes perseverance to keep being disciplined about it. And, the, and those who were found to be faithful, they persevered in this work. They continued. In, in, in this instance, it was talking about money. But when we think about growth and development, it also takes a long time. You start going to a gym, you know, it takes a while to see results. If you start eating health, you want to be more healthful, it takes a while for you to see results uh, in your cholesterol, in your, in your other blood tests or whatever it is. It takes a while. It takes time. It takes perseverance. In the Lord's work, when you're teaching a prospect, when you're teaching a soul, it takes time to see the output. It takes time to see the change in our own lives. As we try to correct our, our, our habits, we need to persevere through. This, this parable teaches the importance of this concept of persevering through our growth process. And also not to give up on their growth process. Not to return that one talent back to our Lord saying, Lord, what is yours is yours. What is yours is yours. That's not what we are called to do. We have the next parable. It's not found in Matthew. It's found in Mark chapter 13, verse 33 to 37. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, or at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch, stay awake. In the English Standard Version, okay, 
So far, everybody awake. I don't have to say too loudly. Watch. Watch. We, we read here that the master of the house goes to a far country and he gives authority to his servants. He gives them different roles and different assignments. But they are all called to watch. They are all called to stay awake. They are all called to be vigilant. And as, for example, as the doorkeeper, what's the purpose of the doorkeeper? What's the purpose of the doorkeeper? To make sure that whoever is at the door is, is whether somebody who is allowed to come in or not allowed to come in. For those who are not allowed to come in, of course, you keep the door closed. But if it's the master outside and he's knocking on the door and the doorkeeper is not awake, wow, it's going to be terrible for the doorkeeper, isn't it? If you think about some of these period dramas when you see uh, the emperor coming into the, into the palace. Can you imagine if the door was not open for the emperor? What would happen? I don't want to imagine that. But it will not be a good thing for the offending party. The last parable we have, the sheep and the goats. Uh, or if you have not seen either, the one on the left is the sheep, the one on the right is the goat. I know in the parable it's the other way around. I'm so sorry for the uh, orientation mistake. Uh, I'll correct that in future slides. Okay. So obvious, uh, this is a long passage from verse 31 to verse 46 of Matthew 25. Okay. This final parable talks about judgment. Judgment. There will be a separation coming. There will be a separation coming. And what will be the criteria for this separation? Jesus, in Matthew 25, verse 31, he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, and he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Again, sorry for the orientation mistake. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Brethren, this is the criteria of the separation. And how will that be determined? Verse 40, And the king will answer to say unto them, Assuredly I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did, it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. And again in verse 45, saying to the goats, Assuredly I say unto you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, my brethren, you have not done it to me. 
He had five parables to talk about watchfulness, preparedness, being vigilant. The compass tells us to be awake. Okay, what does it mean to be awake? Here it is. Brethren, we need to serve one another. We need to look out for one another. We need to bear one another's burden and fulfill the law of Christ. We need to do good to one another, Galatians 6. There are so many things that we can do to serve our brethren, to serve the brotherhood. And our compass will provide that. Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46 gives us some, some just a smattering of these things. But I hope that in today's sharing, you also see these three themes of judgment. That it will be sudden. It being sudden, we therefore have to be awake and not asleep. It will be unexpected. And therefore, we need to be prepared and not caught off guard. There will be a, a separation. And therefore, we need to be fruitful and not thoughtful. As we consider what does it mean to be awake, we need to be aware. We need to be on the alert for the attacks, for the infiltrations by the devil. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is always on the watch for when we are strong and when we are weak. As a lion stalks its prey. Have you seen a lion stalking its prey? Just as we are called to be persevering, the lion is also very persevering. And when we least expect it, he will pounce. We do not give occasion to the lion to pounce. On us. Being awake is talking about an awareness. The self-awareness of the temptations that trigger you most. And doing whatever you can to remove that opportunity. These that can so easily ensnare us and, and lead us to sin. James 1 verse 14. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. We each have our own desires and enticements. We each have our own weak spots that the lion is trying to exploit, that the lion is trying to pounce on us on. Let's not give him that opportunity. Not to relax our state of alertness. Now that, and, and when, I, when I say not to relax our state of alertness, I mean... Spiritually speaking, of course, everybody needs to sleep. Please have enough rest. It's good for your health. But when we are awakened from our sleep, from our rest, let us be alert. Let us not be off our guard. What does it mean to be prepared? From the six parables, it's not simply a contrast between doing something as opposed to doing nothing. From the parable of the ten virgins, it's about going beyond the just enough, what we think is just enough. Not trading preparedness for anything else. Do not trade your preparedness for anything else. 
guarded jealously, enter into that great feast. And this is finally demonstrated by one's attitude, especially when nobody is watching. The five talent and the two talent servants, they did their work when the master was not watching, when he's not present with them physically, when he's not there to, hey, why you never do? And brethren, we only see each other twice a week, sometimes maybe more often. Uh, for me, you see me maybe once a year, <laughs> maybe less often. But the rest of the week that we are not in each other's presence, I think also let's remember to, to be prepared when no one else is watching. Be fruitful. Employ one's talents. It's about the effort and the attitude. It's about the effort and the attitude taken. You notice in the five talent and the one talent and the two talent servants, what was the Lord's commendation of them? He did not say, you are rewarded because of the profit, but because of the faithfulness. Good and faithful servant, well done. We have to employ our talents. We are to have the right effort and the attitude towards it. Remember, God will give the increase. God gives the increase to our efforts, especially in the field of evangelism. Um, and our parable that comes to mind is the parable of the sower. Some of you use 34, 64, 100 fold. That's God's work. But the sower goes to sow the word. That's our work. We sow the word. Being fruitful is about adding. Adding, adding, adding. Second Peter 1 verse 5 to 8. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are in you and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful about adding you need to add these things and that comes through practicing our faith it comes through serving one another it comes through obeying what the Lord says about these things I'm sure many of you during the COVID times have been of good service to one another I'm sure you have all had, in one way or another, been encouraged by each other's presence, efforts, etc. I encourage you, not just in times of calamity, but now as we come closer together physically, let us continue in our brotherly kindness. Because that's how the sheep are separated from the goats in service to one another. The scripture reading this morning, Therefore, brethren, be, more be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Diligence. For if you do these things, you will neither stumble for an entrance, or so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly 
into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Christ Jesus. Be it 20 days, weeks, months, years, decades, centuries from now, when our Lord comes, Lord willing, we are there together. Our compass will tell us, will guide us in our, in our way. If you are in the Lord's body, I hope that we are all awake, prepared, and fruitful, exemplifying the actions that our Lord has through these parables required of us. If not, maybe your need of a revival and a rekindling of your spirit. If, if so, I, I, I hope and urge and pray for you and to encourage you in the forward journey. Please let your requests be made known to the church. We love you and want what's best for you. We want to be entering into that peace together. Our Lord Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. What he has put forth about judgment, that separation between the sheep and the goats will come to pass. And if you're not a member of the Lord's church, are you ready for what's going to happen next? Because we know not the hour where the Son of Man comes. We know not when our time on this earth is over. Are you ready for that sudden, unexpected separation that will take place? If you've been studying um, the Bible with the church here, I urge you to consider your future of what's going to happen. But if you'll be willing to commit yourself to Christ and to render your obedience to Him, I also can tell you that what's going to happen is a great reward. It's a great hope. It's a great feast that awaits us in heaven. When our work here on earth is done and we are reunited with our loved ones who have gone before and with our Lord who has prepared the way for eternity from the beginning of time, the heavenly abode for us, that will be a great feast. So I urge you not to trade salvation for anything else in this world because that nothing else is worth that. If you are subject to the gospel call this morning, I urge you to come forward as you as we sing the invitation song. Right? <laughs>